Scripture reading this morning is taken from Psalm chapter 3. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying to, of me, God will not deliver him. But Lord, you are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call unto the Lord, and he answers me from the, his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. We now invite Pater Vincent to share the word of, of God. And Happy New Year, brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, are we all ready to go back to work? Are we all ready to go back to study, students? Are you ready to face SPM or any exams in your school? Or do we still want more holidays? Well, no matter what, we're going to back to the real life and we are on the track to the ground. And there is still a lot of things uh, to be dealt with in our real life. So this morning, I thought of Psalm 3, and I would like to encourage all of us, including myself, to meditate on what God has to say to us through this beautiful and sweet hymn and psalm. Because not only when we need to adjust our mind, our body, and soul um, to go back, to get into the real life, to deal with a lot of problems, but every day, every moment, every second, and I pray that this psalm will be your guidance, and the power of the Lord will be with you always. Now, here's verse 1. And David says this, O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Now, the psalm was written when David was fleeing. And why was David fleeing? He needs to flee, fled from his son, the attack of his son, Absalom. And the reason why Absalom turned against David, the motive might not be so obvious, but through the book in the Old Testament, 2 Samuel chapter 13 to 15, we can see and speculate some possibilities on why Absalom would retaliate against David. First of all, Absalom's sister, Tamar, was defiled by his brother, Amnon, of course, as a brother, David, not David, of course, as a brother, Absalom, he was really angry about this. He wasn't happy about that, and he seek to revenge on behalf of his sister. So, two years later, he succeeded. His revenge, he, re he retaliated against um, Amnon. But all these, well, though David heard about this, though David knew that Amnon defied his, sis, his sister, um, Tamar, but he did not make any steps, any disciplinary actions on Amnon. So you can see this two-year period, Absalom has been planning for revenge. And right after the revenge was over, he fled. He fled from his hometown, Jerusalem. It took three years for David to let go of his hatred for Absalom and to let go of his mourning and sadness 
on his son, Amnon. Now, in one way or another, Absalom may have considered David a failure as a father. When his family was being bullied, why did he not take any steps as a father, or maybe as a king, since as a father, as a king, he has the power to take any steps to punish Amnon. So it's possible that this is where the motives for Absalom to dethrone the King David began. Though Absalom returned and made peace with David, but as a later account, we knew that he wasn't really sincerely wants to make peace with David. Because by the account of 2 Samuel 15, he had secretly captured the hearts and the minds of the Israelites and continued to increase and power his team, his soldiers. Just right when David realized it, it was too late. Absalom not only observed the throne, but he went into and defiled David's concubines before all the people of Israel, and that was the disgrace, and he had no regard for him as a father. But Absalom, he didn't make David's escape so easy because he knew that if David was still alive, he would not be able to keep his throne. So he gave the order to hunt David down. He needs to kill David. So David had to fled from the palace in Jerusalem and went into the wilderness. Now, to make a long story short, in the end, Absalom died. But David experienced more than just being hunt. Though he knew that his son had gone too far, he was very concerned for his own son and grieved over his death. You know, before Absalom died, he kept telling his soldiers to be merciful to his son. Even when the messenger came to, to report on behalf of, um, report on whether Absalom alive or dead, David kept asking, is my son alive? Is my son safe? Is Absalom alive? So you can see the emotions of a father in this process. To all of us, Absalom deserved this because he was a bad guy. But for David, it's the other realm. As a father, how can any father in this world be willing to see their children to make mistake and die in this pitiful way. So from the environmental perspective, David received a lot of attacks and he was being hunted. But from spiritual perspective, he was so anxious and upset for his son. In this process, he was broken in both soul and physically. Isn't this our life, my friends? Like David, we're often living in a state of internal and external problems. We are surrounded by different kinds of problems. For parents, you might be dealing with children who look like Absalom. But for many of us, we might be attacked by many kinds of problems in real life, just like David. Don't say we're being hunted like David. A little things, a little issues in our life were almost crushing us, aren't they? So we're all broken in mind. 
and in spirit. From my recent experience, the one thing I don't really want to face in the morning when I wake up, they're not ministry, it is not visitation, it is not preparation for teaching materials, it is not counseling, it is not sermons, it is traffic, traffic jams. As some of us know that I live in Samarahan, and every morning when I wake up, um, I, the first thing that came to my mind was that I need to face that one to three hours traffic jam. Even sometimes it is unpredictable. could be more than four hours. And that's tiring, physically and emotionally, mentally tiring. If I would put this phrase and verse into my current situation, it could be something like this. Oh Lord, how many other cars? Cars are rising against me and the jam is horrible. And the jam is telling me, Vincent, you're going to be late again today for your class, for your teaching, for your counseling, anything. You're going to be late. Now, what about you, my friend? What were the things that made you feel tired yesterday, this morning, when you wake up early in the morning? Did all these troubles compel you to come to God or you face the day, you deal the day in the state of hopelessness. Which one is your preference? Now, we all need to learn from David. Of course, we can sense and know that he was exhausted and his faith was challenged. To some point, we can say that David might encounter a weak faith in that situation. But nothing prevented David from asking and praying God or reducing his trust in God. Because David showed us a beautiful way to pray. Every prayer does not always begin with praise. And sometimes our faith is so weak that it's not easy to say praise, to say grace to God. But we can prayerfully confess our pain and our circumstances, the things that we encounter to God. Now, my friends, not all appeals to God are sinful or wrong. Some complaints, some appeals are blaming God and complaining why God is doing what he is doing. But right here, David shows us that his prayer is not to blame God, but simply to tell God what's happening around him. Oh Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Simply tell God what's happening around him. In the later account, 2 Samuel chapter 16, there was a man called Shimei, who was from the family of Saul. And now this Shimei, he was dissatisfied with David's succession to the throne of Saul. When he saw David fleeing, he cursed him and threw some stones at David. But David, he did not take any actions on this man, but rather said, leave him alone and let him curse, because the Lord has told him to do so. From the bottom line, David believed that either the pursuit of his son Absalom, or this man Shimei, it was the will of God. 
But he did not blame God. Instead, he continued to rely on God through these painful experiences. But that's the hardest lesson for all of us to learn. To confess what's happening around us, it's not our choice because we would always complain what happens around us and blame God for doing this. Though it is the hardest lesson for us, but we still need to learn this. In the course of David's suffering, David did not blame God, but with a weary spirit, he prayed to God, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. Though there were many enemies, David knew that God would defend him from all the attacks. And one day he believed that God will restore David's position as a king in the future. And that's, a, that's kind of faith we want, isn't it? David wasn't looking for his reliable soldier in the wilderness while being chased and hunted down. Nor was he thinking the favor and all the blessings and graces he enjoyed in the palace of Jerusalem. But he relied on God alone. Now here's the thing. Troubles will reveal who or what we are counting on. Because it's easy, it's natural for all of us to look for friends and some tools and resources when we are in trouble. These are all goods, graces. These are all means of graces from God. But bear in mind that if our reliance on those means of grace and tools over God himself, we've got to be very careful. Because in good times or in bad times, the one we rely on may be invariably become our idols. So here's a reminder from David. In times of trouble, your only reliance must be God alone. And there's another lesson, precious lesson we can learn from. David then went on to say, I cry aloud to the Lord. And he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. Now David was thinking, pondering, recalling what God was doing in the past. In other words, though the enemies were many, when he recalled how God has helped him in the past, he has the faith, and he believed that God will continue to do the same thing right now. God will, and God was able to make you sleep soundly and wake up in the morning to deal and face all of the new day and problems with his power in the past. And now, my friends, God will do the same thing today. The enemy was hunting David. But for David to get through the night and get up safe, it wasn't a comfortable bed in the palace of Jerusalem. It was in the wilderness, in the cave. But in that situation, in that horrible moment, he remembered, recalled the grace of God. And by that, he can have faith to deal with a whole new day. And my friends, that's a beautiful and precious spiritual lesson. And I want to encourage all of us, 
when you feel lost, overwhelmed in your life, remember, remember how God has led you in the past. And then live out by faith. Charles Spurgeon made a heartwarming statement in this way. He said this, I have looked back to the times of trial with a kind of longing, not to have them return, but to feel the strength of God as I have felt it then, to feel the power of faith as I have felt it then, to hang upon God's powerful arm as I hung upon it then, and to see God at work as I saw it then. That's the power of recalling, remembering the work of God in the past. And my friends, isn't this the very voice and journey we take to become a Christian? Because honestly, no one likes trials. We don't like troubles. And we don't want to go back and look back and recall on those difficult days who mess us up, who put us into very messy situation. But remember, when you remember that God was gracious to you when you were still in the mess and full of problems, now by that sweet experience, you can continue to rely on God by faith because of that precious experience. Because you know and believe that God will do the same thing to, to you once again or even more Maybe the traffic jam is really makes me physically and emotionally, mentally exhausted. But there must be a purpose in it. There must be a will of God in this tough situation for me. Because so far, the only thing I have been able to notice that God is refining my patience through this long and horrible jam. But the other errors, I still need God's wisdom to show me the purpose of this. So in this way, God is able to turn things and situations that we don't see as good into the opportunities to refine us and reveal whether we trust Him or not. So David was able to recall to what God has done in the past in difficulty because he responded rightly in his suffering. And then David said, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. I think more or less from the verse 1 to the last verse, we understand the ups and downs of David's reaction. And finally, he prays for God's salvation. Lord, save me, because you strike all my enemies on the cheek and break the teeth of the wicked. At the end of the day, you see that kind of faith, the trust and the reliance of God, on God by David never cease, though it might seem weak in our sight. For us Christians, there was one man who was struck in the cheek and one man who had his teeth broken for our sake. And that man was Jesus Christ. 
He suffered humiliation for our sins, punishment for us so that we might have peace, and wounds for us so that we might be healed. And by that, Christ gave us life through his death, and he won, earned the victory for the church in his resurrection. And that is why churches and Christians has never been defeated in spite of many persecutions and suffering. And that's why Christians always prevail, no matter how much we suffer, because the God we believe in, the Christ we believe in, is the victor. So my friends, you may still face, you may still need to deal with a lot of things that bother you when you wake up this morning. It could be the same tomorrow, the day after, or probably for the rest of the week, the months, the years. It might be, it could be the same thing. But I want to encourage you, the moment you get up this morning, tomorrow, take a moment to pray to God and tell Him all the things that you're going to face on that day. Now, I cannot promise that all the problems and issues will be solved immediately. But I can promise, if you start to do this, practice by telling all the things to God, pray to God, you will experience a sweet and wonderful journey as a Christian. Because later on, those experiences will be a sweet and powerful tool in the later days when you recall on how God has helped you in that moment. You're not going to lie to problems and troubles and trials you encounter in that moment, but you will miss how God helped you, guided you back then. How He became a shield around you, how He became a glory to you, and how He lifted you up. Through these experiences, God promised you, my children, I have been there for you before. But I'm going to tell you this, I will always be with you forever and ever. Why? Because you're my children. I will never forsake you. That's the promise of God. May God help us and let us pray. Father, thank you for being a shield to us. Thank you for defending us, though we are in a state of mess, though we are, we are encountering a messy life, though we have a lot of troubles, weariness, anxiousness in our life, but you are there always. And by faith, we believe that. Though we are weak in faith, help us to look to you always by faith, believing that you will always be our shield. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.